0: Well, today's Mother's Day, obviously, and and we know that when we approach Mother's Day, it's a big celebration for mothers, those of you who are mothers, those of you who have mothers, but we also recognize that it it can be a very, maybe a, a challenging time. For some of you, it brings up memories. Maybe for some of you, your mother isn't alive on the earth anymore, and so it's sort of a sad time for you, especially if that's fairly recent. Uh, some of you maybe it's it's you maybe are a mother or and a child has passed away so this is this day brings up some pretty sad memories for you as well and just many different other emotions that happen so we recognize that and we just want to say that whatever it is that's going through your mind and your heart right now that that god is our helper god is our healer and he's the one that can help all of us to have a have a day that can celebrate whether it's the memories or whether it's mothers uh, in our lives, but so I just want what I want to share with you briefly here this morning is um, sort of a, a little bit of a challenge, but it's also an encouragement. I'm going to talk especially to for for the relationship between mothers, maybe veteran mothers and maybe younger mothers. And and how that can work, but really, I want all of us to apply it to all of our lives, uh, to everything we do. So, one of the questions you might want to think about, especially moms, is how did you, as a mother, how did you become the mother that you are today? It's like you know, how how what when you look back on your life as a mom, how how what did you what. What happened that you became the mother that you are today? And you might say, well, my mom played a big role in helping me to be a mom. Okay, well, then you go back and ask, well, how did she? Well, usually the answer to these goes back to that there was somebody, whether there was a mother or a mother figure in your life that just included you. They, they helped you to learn, they showed you, they instructed you, they were an example uh, of, of how to do motherhood. But the same thing happens with all of us. I mean, just think about everything in your life for the rest of us. The best chance that any of us have for success in life can usually go back to, well, you know, I read books. I, uh, I went to school, I got some education, I watched a lot of YouTube videos, whatever it is, right? And that's how I succeeded. But the truth is, if you really got down to the heart of it, there probably were some people in your life that you could turn to, you could identify and say, if it wasn't for them taking me under their wing, if it wasn't for them speaking into my life, if it wasn't for them being a good example of what I should do and who I should be, I wouldn't have succeeded the way I did in life. So many times it comes down to a person or people that have poured into your life uh, this way. And so the, the other angle I want to look at this morning is, is you probably heard the phrase um, the, the prime of my life or the prime of your life. You know, when, when is that? You know, wh- when is the prime of your life? Well, experts would say define the prime of your life as the period of time when you were the most productive, the most successful, and probably the healthiest. You know, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. That was. It was those years, whether it was 20 years, whether it was two years. I don't know. It's, it's like you would say, I'm at my prime. Now, some of you would say, well, I don't know when that is. I, ha- I don't think I've reached my prime yet. Some of you would say, you know what? I think I'm sort of right in that zone somewhere. It's not as good as I thought it would be, but I think I'm there. And some of you would say, I'm way past my prime. I'm heading that way, right? But the truth is this, I wanna redefine the idea of the prime of your life. Because you being at your prime shouldn't really be about you. It shouldn't be about your successes and your accomplishments. The prime of your life, in my opinion, should be that season of life when you poured into and you passed along to the people behind you and around you to help them become successful, you see where I'm going. Your prime isn't about you and what you can accomplish. The pr- your prime of life is how successful you can make the people around you in every way. So we're gonna we're gonna. It's sort of like Paul gives us an example of this, what we can pass on to others. In 2 Timothy 2.2, he's writing to his spiritual son, Timothy, and he says this, You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. In other words, I have been teaching you the truth. Then he says this, Now teach these truths to tr- other trustworthy people who will also be able to pass them along to others. So so Paul is saying to his spiritual son, the person he's mentoring, he's leading, discipling, he says, I want you not just to take the things I've given you and use them for yourself, but I actually want you to take these things and now teach them to others who can teach them to others. In other words, Everything that he's teaching him and everything that we need to be teaching other people, it should be something that we can, we're not just teaching, we're not just equipping, we're not just uh, training and imparting to the next people around us, but it's something that can keep on going, passing it on to other people. Now, a great story of this, excuse me, great story for this is in the Old Testament. It's a story, it's a little book. Uh, only several chapters long, the book of Ruth. And the story is this. There's a lady named Naomi. She gets married. They have two sons. These two sons get married. So they have Naomi, her husband, their two sons and their wives, the six of them. They move to another country. And pretty soon, Naomi's husband passes away. Well, 10 years later, the two husbands... The two sons of her Naomi's pass away, so all that's left is Naomi, and her two daughter, who, her two daughters-in-law, Ruth and Oprah—not Oprah, Oprah Orpa—I <laughs> was close. Had the right letters, wrong con- wrong, Orpa. And so they they do some life together, and and Naomi realizes. She says, "You know." If it's just going to be us three, there's no one else to follow. We're, there's no one we die. That's it. There's no, there's no descendants. There's nobody else to come behind us. So she says, she says, daughters, I want you to go back, both of you to go back to your homeland, find each of you to find a husband, have children so you can keep the generations going. And both of them said, no, we don't want to. So she said, no, I really want you to. Gives them their, her blessing. Well, Orpah goes, uh, but Ruth decides she doesn't want to. She wants to stay with Naomi. Now, here's in the next verse in your notes, Ruth 1 6, 16 says this. But Ruth replied, Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. And so the story is, Naomi says, okay. And so they they live together, they travel together. Naomi takes Ruth under her wing and mentors her and equips her, trains her for everything in life, for everything that she needs to know and to do as a woman. And, and what happens is because of this priority of, of teaching and mentoring Ruth, Naomi basically puts her life on hold to take care of Ruth and to help her along the way. So finally, It says this in Ruth 3.1. She comes to, one day Naomi said to Ruth, my daughter, it's time that I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. In other words, Naomi says, okay, Ruth, it's time for you to go. We're going to find you a husband. You're going to have children. I want you to have a family and a life on your own. I've been spending time with you. It's time for you to do this. And so... Ruth does. She finds a husband. Boaz is his name. They have a son. And the town they were living in when she had this baby, the whole town celebrated. They cheered. But it wasn't so much that Ruth had a baby. It was the relationship between Naomi and Ruth that they were celebrating. Look at the next verse, Ruth 4. It says, Then the women of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord, who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he, be re, may he restore your youth and care for you in your old age, for he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. So they recognize that this, this unique close relationship with Naomi and Ruth, her daughter-in-law was so special that they celebrated it at the birth of Ruth's son. It's interesting because Naomi received this huge blessing from the, pe- from the women of the town. And because, because of her being a blessing to Ruth, and I thought, you know what, isn't that usually how it goes? When you, when you reach out and you help someone, you bless someone else, in the end, you, re, you look back on your situation and you go, I was so blessed through that. Matter of fact, I was probably blessed more than they were for the opportunity to help them and to bless them. That's just how it works. I want to say to all of you this morning, every one of you, I don't care what stage of life you're in, what situation you're in, what age you are, you have so much to offer the people around you. You may be here this morning, says, I got nothing. You have a lot. The fact that you're alive, that you've been through anything in life, qualifies you to bless and to help other people. So we're going to look at that. I have three things we're going to quickly look at have some stories I want to share of what it means, this sort of this mentor. We're going to look what it means for, for a veteran mom to mentor a younger mom, a veteran woman to mentor, mentor a younger woman. But we're also, it applies to all of us, every one of us, man or woman, all of us this morning take these principles and apply them. So number one is this, looking at uh, Naomi and Ruth, that I need to be willing to take the time and energy... To impart to others. I need to be willing to make room in my schedule to just simply help and be around other people. Because the time you make to do this will be some of the, the best well-spent time of your day and your week. To impart, says to impart to others. What does it impart mean? It means to share something with them. It means to pass along, to make known, to persuade. You're giving something to someone else. It might be encouragement. It might be your experiences, whatever it might be. So as a veteran mom, you take the time to encourage and pass along what you have experienced in life and in family. Titus 2, 4, and 5 says this. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely, to be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, and to be submissive to their husbands, then they will not bring shame on the word of God. Now, if you are here and you have a little bit of problem with that submissive word, and you're, you're, a, you're a wife, you're a mother, and you say, well, you know, that's not fair, I have to be submissive to my husband. Well, if you study a little bit more you dig a little bit deeper in the book of Ephesians, I think it's Ephesians chapter 5, somewhere around there. Paul says this to the husbands. He says, husbands, you are to love your wives the way that Christ loved the church and gave up his life for the church. So, women, you got the easy part. The guy's got to die for you. Just joking. But it's a mutual. hope not. It's a mutual submission. It's a mutual respect. It's a mutual sacrificing for one another that we do together. Now, I'm going to share several stories and each one, one with each one of these points of people in our own church family who have experienced this mentor-mentee relationship and what it's meant to them. Here's what someone wrote. It said, well, what, what does it mean to be mentored? Well, a few years ago, I asked a dear lady from church if she would like to be my mentor. I wasn't sure what to expect or what it would look like. So for, for so long, I didn't think I was worthy. Catch this, catch this line. For so long, I didn't think I was worthy to ask someone else to sacrifice time for me. But in my heart, I long for that. There is so much wisdom that comes from those who have walked through this life before us. Today's world is loud and messy and everyone's saying how we should do this or we shouldn't do these things. But as a young mom, I wonder, I always wonder if what I'm doing is enough. Ever feel like that? My mentor has been there. She listens, she sees my tears, she prays for me, gives me encouragement and advice. This is much more than just a mentorship. To me, it's a friendship. Number two, the second thing, and this is more geared towards younger people, younger mothers. Be willing to learn from those who have gone before you. Be willing to learn from those who have gone before you. In the book of Hebrews, in the New Testament, toward the back, toward the end, in chapter 11, chapter 11 is sort of known as the hall of faith. It's a whole list of people from the Old Testament who demonstrated faith to God. They did some amazing things in life because they simply believed in God. They trusted him. So there's this whole long list. Some are real popular. Some of them are sort of, oh, I didn't realize they were in there kind of thing. Well, then we get to chapter 12. And it starts with this word, chapter 12, verse 1. And it says, therefore. Now, some of you know this, but whenever you find the word therefore in the Bible, you have to find out what it's there for. <laughs> I know it's cheesy, but it's real, okay? Why, why, in other words, the word therefore connects what was just written, what was in the previous chapter, with what's about to be written, what you're about to read. And it says, therefore, in other words, since all these people have gone before us, these giants of the faith have gone before us, it says, and since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd, in other words, all these people, we're surrounded by all these great men and women of faith. It says that we we are to strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. In other words, we realize that not only can we learn a lot from the people that have gone before us, whether it's in the Bible or whether it's people that you're connected with now, people that have gone there, people that have been through it, from the mothers, the grandmothers, the great-grandmothers, our friends, people around us who've already been through what you're going through. Not only can you learn from them, but they're cheering you on. There's a way to go. You can do this. Hang in there. Don't give up. We all need somebody like that in our lives. A good mentor is one of your greatest cheerleaders. Here's what Whitney wrote. She said, Membership, mem- mentorship to me is a bigger blessing than I anticipated or thought it could be. It is not a burden nor a box to check off the weekly checkup. Throughout my mentorship, I have not only gained mental freedom, clarity, a prioritized schedule for my life, but I have gained a lifelong friend, a friend who understands what I'm going through, a friend who has not only, not only has the wisdom to navigate, but the sympathy and maybe even the empathy for all of my situations. My mentor is there to help me digest what I'm feeling, what my goals are and how to achieve them. When I have a million goals in my mind that I want to achieve, she helps me slow them down, prioritize them, and to make them happen. My mentor has also been my cheerleader, the one who will support me and cheer me on to great lengths when I have achieved even the smallest win. When I feel overwhelmed, like I'm not good enough or strong enough to achieve my goals, my mentor points me to the foundational truth. She points me in the direction of scripture where time and time again will tell me that I am enough. Whitney. Number three, last one. This is for all of us. Remember... To bless others, even in your struggles, in your own struggles. I think this is probably one of the biggest things we we deal with. Because you don't have to have done it perfectly to mentor others. I think some of you this morning would say, I mean, you're thinking it. You might have even under your breath said it. Who am I, who am I to impart anything to anyone else? Man, I have done nothing but make big mistakes my whole life. My life is a mess. It's a whole track record of wrong decisions, bad decisions. And you may be 100% correct about that, except you are in a perfect position to help other people not make the same mistakes you did. You know, oftentimes we think that we learn from other, either ours or other people's successes, and we do. But did you know you learn a lot more by the mistakes you make? And there's nothing, there's nothing better than not learning from your mistakes, but learning from other people's mistakes. Think of all the, if you really took to heart the mistakes other people made, and you said, I don't want to do that, you would save yourself so much trouble, right? But human na- what does human nature say? Nah, that ain't going to happen to me. <laughs> I can do it better than that. Guess what? No, you can't. So if you, if you feel like you are unqualified to mentor or to even help anyone else out in anything, I just want you to know this morning, you've got plenty to offer. Maybe not in the successes you've had, but out of the failures that you've had. You can give a lot of people a lot of warning and say, you know what? If I had to do it over again, here's what I would do differently. You have a lot. Every one of us, we have a lot to give. And uh, you don't have to be problem free to be able to help other people and to comfort them. 2 Corinthians 1.4 says this, He, God, comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. So in other words, even in the midst of your struggling, some of you this morning, you're saying, I'm in the heat of the battle. I'm going through a crisis, I'm going through a tough time, I'm, in, I'm up against it. Every, it seems my, my life is just falling apart. Just know this. You may be right. But the fact that you're alive and breathing, you are qualified to help other people. So even in the midst of your struggles, you can help other people as well. If you The Bible says that if you wake for, wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. So even while you're going through whatever you're going through. In other words, a mentor is simply a fellow struggler who's maybe one step ahead. That's it. You're just one step ahead. you got plenty to offer and teach other people because the fact is we're all still growing. We're all still learning so much. Another story. I was mentored by Tanya for four years. Finding a mentor had a major impact on my life. Having someone to go on walks with and share the ups and downs of life was really special. For me, being mentored by Tanya was especially impactful because she was such a champion for me, always believing and always encouraging the steps I was taking in life. She and I connected well because she had experienced some of the struggles I was going through and brought wisdom to those situations. I think that's one of the most important parts of having a mentor, having that person that can relate and speak into difficult seasons of my life. Having Tanya mentor me was such a gift because I always knew when we would go on one of our walks that I had her full attention. With both our schedules being kind of crazy, and she, w- she was always the one to reach out, make sure that our time was a priority when our schedules were freed up. I'm forever grateful to her, Julia. Every one of you here this morning, two things. You have something to offer someone else, whether you realize it or not. Number two, you have so much to learn that someone could teach you. It would just be amazing if every one of us here this morning were both in a mentoring relationship where you were helping someone else and a relationship where someone was helping you. That's what the church family is about. That's what a disciple of Jesus Christ is about. We encourage each other. We help each other. We teach each other. We learn from each other. We receive encouragement from each other. We receive teaching from other people. So that's my challenge for us today. Whether you're a a mother, maybe a veteran mother, grandma, great-grandma, you've been through it. (laughs) You have a lot to offer other mothers who are following the footsteps that you went through. Maybe your grandpa, me, great-grandpa, not yet. Dad, you have a lot to offer. Maybe you're a teenager. There's a lot of fellow teenagers around that are just looking for for a good example, somebody to just show them what Jesus is really like. Every one of us, it and we're all qualified. So my word for you this morning is, man, be humble. <laughs> don't ever think you don't need anybody. But also don't ever think you can't help anybody. Every one of us this morning, we're qualified for both. You need some help. <laughs> Say amen. Okay. And you can help other people. Say amen to that one too. There you go. And my my hope and my encouragement is that we really grab a hold of this and we realize that we can be a blessing to others and others can be a blessing to us. Amen.